This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. You know, I get to do a lot of different roles in ministry. I get to oversee many pastors, and I get to uh, uh, take the gospel as an evangelist forth. I get to pastor uh, in our churches, and and I get to do a lot of things. And occasionally, uh, there's another one of those offices that I, I feel rising up inside of me. And usually, I duck, run, and hide. And I actually sent out a message to a prayer team when I started feeling this in the middle of work, when I had my phone out during the middle of worship. But today, uh, I just felt, uh, I'm just going to go there. I am fully prepared for your comments, and go ahead and get your your pens and paper ready, 8847 Highway 53 East, Dawsonville, Georgia. That's where you can send your response to what I'm about to say. I'm just telling you now. Okay? I've been preached against uh, in this community for quite a long time because apparently, because we win so many souls, we must be compromising. Uh, we have no intention of compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And but listen to me carefully. This is what rose up in my spirit in a time I was worshiping and I just got all messed up. I want to talk to you about uh, your pulpit. Your pulpit. Somebody said, uh, when somebody says they're called to preach, they said, well, you've been preaching to me for a long time. But listen to me. This is the pulpit I have been preaching to you from for, uh, though they may have been different instruments of the pulpit, but this location for over 29 years now. And I'm a pro- I am standing in what it would be the pulpit of this house, and I want to address the pulpits of your house for just a moment. And it's going to seem harsh but I want to address those for just a moment. You must realize that if anything, this virus has has brought the pulpits of the people to an elevated level. So that means that you have to live by the same standard of which I have to live by. And the Bible says that I am judged by everything that is taught here. That's why the Bible says... Let, let a man not desire to be a teacher because they will be judged with a harsher judgment. And I'm giving you a word that I feel like God just put in my spirit. I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. I support so many different opinions and thoughts and celebrate them because that's what makes America great. But listen to me. My heart was broken this week. What if for every post that you posted saying this was a hoax or what if for every post you posted about whether or not people ought to stay home or or whether people ought to not get back to work, what if we actually used our pulpit time for something better? Now, first and foremost, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I thought about How many people are dying from this virus? People even in our own uh, uh, lives have been affected now. But listen to me very carefully. Very carefully. If for every 
time we posted about the number of flu cases versus the number of this situation or the, uh, my rights or my rules or whatever those things are, what if we were concerned with the fact that every single day 21,000 babies are being murdered in the United States of America every single day and instead of talking about whether or not this party's right or that party's raw, wrong or whatever that is, we took to our pulpits and we declared first and foremost the love of Jesus Christ and Secondly, the sanctity of human life, and I just feel that rising up within me that we ought, to, we ought to repent because God has given us the ability to communicate with the world, and we are not using it wisely. So instead of attacking others, why don't we proclaim? Let me just take a little bit further than that. I watched a show this week, and it was somebody in an urban setting not very far from here, and they were talking about the fact that what they were surviving on right now was syrup and bread. It's all they had, syrup sandwiches. It's all they were surviving on right now. Can I tell you, I don't care how big your rice stash is. What you ought to be concerned about is life from conception all the way through, and we ought to be saying, how can we be the body of Christ now look, y'all blew horns till you couldn't when I was telling you about Jesus last week. Let me, I'm just being honest right where I am. I, I, mean, I don't even need your amens right this moment. I feel a heavenly chorus saying amen right this moment that we ought to get off our high horses and we ought to get on our knees until we've heard from heaven and then we declare that God died for every soul and that even the lady who's had the abortion or the man who paid for the abortion or, or caused the abortion or whatever that was, there's grace and there's forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. But God, help us not to let this hour go go by us without declaring there is life and whether they're affected by a virus or they're at the, under the hands of a doctor who should know better, it's our hour to rise up and declare that there is hope and we must stop this travesty in our world. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah. Pastor's done got political. When did life become political? Life is not political. And I don't care if they're conception all the way to the nursing home. Jesus died for every single life. He valued them. And we should use our hour in our pulpit more effectively. Pastor Don, you're just being a bully from your pulpit. Well, what I am is a big old fella using a big old pulpit to tell you we ought to all be careful what we say from all of our pulpits. It's important. It would change our lives. You know what I have here in my hand? Everybody thought I pulled out my Pentecostal rag here. Come on now. But what I have is a face mask. As I reached for this this morning, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. I said, well, I'll put this face mask in my pocket just in case I have to run to the store. And, you know, you never know what you're going to run into at certain stores. And, you know, my, yesterday I went out, I put this thing up around my neck. My wife said, are you going to wear that out in public? I said, we'll see if I need it or not. Listen to me. Well, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. I was making preparation in case I ran into a virus. Because if I make preparation then I can prevent the virus from infecting my life. There's a virus that has been killing people since the Garden of Eden. And there's a scripture that says, 
I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against God so that in case I get around the virus of sin, instead of breathing it in and enjoying it, I can go, hmm, I don't want any part of that. Why? Because I have made up my mind I don't want to die by the things that this world want to kill me by. I want to live by the hope of Jesus Christ because Jesus is life and he is the answer. And I can hide his word in my heart so that I can be protected from the sin virus. We're more concerned about a little virus that can destroy the body instead of one that can destroy the soul. Maybe I ought to get to my sermon. I feel this. All right. Where, where, what am I preaching out of? I'm preaching a message called Alarm. Where, where am I preaching from? I'm all messed up today. All right. God's good. God's faithful. All right, let me come over here and find out what I'm supposed to be talking to you about. I've forgotten. All right, Lord, I don't repent for any of that. Take it and do what you want with it, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, the Jewish people believe that every scripture is interpreted with 70 different faces. In other words, it means that whatever you're facing is what you will see reflected in the interpretation of the scripture. Okay? This is important. And I want to give you a few examples of how you interpret something like what we're facing in our world from Psalms 23. Now watch this. Psalms 23. The Lord is my what? Shepherd. I lack... Nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though, I want you to notice this, you might want to underline this part, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May the Lord bless his word. But I want to show you how this passage has a face for this hour. Okay, I want you to see this. Verse 2 has really jumped out at me for in the past few weeks I've been thinking quite a lot about, watch this now, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now think about that for a moment. During seasons of blessing, we look around us at the pleasant places and we give thanks for where he's brought us and we say, oh, he's made me lie down in green pastures. But in the face of this storm, this verse has taken a totally different perspective in the middle of a quarantine state. This is important. For months, all I've heard from the people that I love, those I interact with, this is all I've heard. I need to find a way to slow down. I need some family time. Man, I wish my schedule was different. Be careful what you wish for. Because then, boom, all of a sudden, it came screeching to a halt. 
And everyone could talk about Can I just tell you what God just dropped into my heart? What you thought was your worst hours is going to be the hours that your children remember most fondly in life as they talk about the things that you did together when you got stuck together for a season. Can I tell you what we really need to do? We need to figure out how to get stuck together because if you get stuck together, you might stick together and then we can show the world what God can do to a family that works together. Amen. Watch this. There's something different about this verse in the face of this hour. Now listen to what the other passages say. He leads me. He refreshes me. He comforts me. Are you thankful for that? And he even sets a table before. Can I tell you that when I read that verse, I don't think of a king's table. I think of pecan trees with a, uh, in a southern atmosphere with a picnic table. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And there, there's barbecue and there's, oh, I feel Jesus in that. And there, there's potato salad. And I mean, there's all, there's all that stuff that comes with a church potluck that laid out. I know Pastor Danny would be excited about that, that, but, but listen to me. But one of these passages, he leads, he sets a table before me. It's all an opportunity to follow and receive. But one takes a different tone. And I shared this with our staff because it has just shaken me. It says, and a lot of you won't like this word, he makes me. Watch that. He leads me, he comforts me, he sets a table. It's different than he says, do it. He makes me to slow down. He makes me find some needed rest and an insane schedule. Uh-oh. It just took a turn. I mean, I want us to think about that for just a moment, that, that all of a sudden, in the middle of this, we can look back on it cursing at all the days of our life, or we can realize that, that God did something in this hour that lets you see a joy in the eyes of your children, that lets you see a, a joy in the eyes of your neighbor that, that allowed you to celebrate in this hour when you had to slow down. That was for your good, because... Can I tell you what everybody who told me, man, I just, I got to find a way to rest. You know what they've been telling me lately is, I am so ready to get back to work. I know financially that's a different story. And I, I celebrate our business owners who have to get back to work. I get that. But at the same time, I'm talking about the things like we fill our extra moments with. All the teams and different things and all the clubs and activities that, that, that really rob us more than they add to us. Am I making sense? And so I realize in the face of this hour, it changes the way I look at this. Now I, wanna, I want you to see another verse that I think is extremely important for the face of this hour. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Now listen to me. It's hard to see when you're walking through a dark valley. Sometimes you can't see where you're headed. <clears throat> you can't see tomorrow. You don't know where you're going. I think the valley represents those low points in our lives. If you've ever walked through the valley of grief, if you've ever walked through the valley of waiting or the valley of disappointment, you wonder if you'll ever make it to the other side. Sometimes you even wonder if there is another side. And if you do make it to the other side of that divorce or that loss of a loved one 
or the loss of a job or that bankruptcy or even a crisis like we're all in right now, what is the new normal going to be like on the other side? Here's some things that I think you need to understand. The valley is where we discover who we really are. It's when we go through the valley that we realize who we are. And more importantly, the valley doesn't only help me know who I am, it's really it's where we discover who God is. In the valley, I learn who I am and who God is, and I begin to get the right perspective on those two because too many times we end up being our own God. Bringing offerings before ourselves. Let's take a look at the valley of crisis from one of the scriptures today. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 2, reads like this. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. Now you have to understand, in Gedi for just a moment. If you were to go to Israel with me, we would leave Jerusalem. We would come down a long hill. When we come down the long hill, to your left is the city of Jericho. We're about 10 miles from the center of Jerusalem. To your left is the city of Jericho. Straight ahead of you is the country of Jordan. And, and then if you turn right, you're headed toward the Dead Sea. And on the way through the Dead Sea, you pass through the lowest points on the planet. And as you get to those places, all of a sudden you realize you're in the Judean wilderness. And it's this rugged, barren uh, wilderness that on your left is the Dead Sea that's collapsing upon itself as it's, as it's shrinking. On your right, there's all these, these caves and all these mountains. And, and then all of a sudden, right in the middle of this, and I'm, I'm, this is what happens almost every time I come around through there, you come around, there's trees right in the middle of the, of the wilderness. And do you know what's in the trees? Do you know, I'm talking to the kids for just a moment, you know what's in the trees in this part of the wilderness? Goats. Goats up in the trees. As you come around the wilderness, you're just, you're just coming around, and, and you look up in a tree, and there's, there's a goat. This long-horned ibex up in the tree. And I'm like, what's their goat in the tree for? And then I realized that the only thing green to eat is the leaves on the tree. Unless you take a right. We're about 50 miles south of Jerusalem at this point. And when you take a right, you're in a place called En Gedi. And this is where David hid out from Saul in the wilderness while he waited for God's will to be done. Can I tell you that I don't know what valley you're in, but I know what valley we're all in, and if we will wait for God's will instead of complaining, God has a place that is fertile in the middle of this valley for all of us. But how do we get there? I mean, what do you do? Well, here's the, here's the message that comes to Jehoshaphat. There's a, there's a big-time army coming to destroy you. What do you do if you hear there's a big-time army coming to destroy you? I mean, what do you do when the things that you trust in are taken away? When all of a sudden your job's gone or all of a sudden your income's gone? What do you do when you feel like you're in a no-win situation? You feel like you're maybe even fighting your own government. I mean, what do you do if you felt like you were in these moments? I think that's where we've been now for several months. How are we supposed to respond or 
or not respond. You see, our economy is in crisis. We find ourselves in the crisis of how to respond. But listen to me. Let's watch and see what Jehoshaphat did in this hour. It gets very helpful. I want you to see what he did. It makes it very clear for us. Watch this quickly. Going quick. We must pray our way through the valley. I'm going to show you this in the Word. We need to pray. Our, we need to stop worrying, and we need to start praying. Can I tell you what I have found happens to the worry that plagues me when it meets the power of prayer within me? The worry that plagues me seems to blow away because the enemy says, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't want to send that their way because it's driving them to their knees. And when he drives you to, his, to your knees, suddenly you're getting stronger and you're realizing how weak he is. And instead of spending hours upon hours going, I don't know, are we going to live? Are we going to make it. Instead, we ought to be on our knees declaring that our God is good and our God is faithful and we will make it and we will thrive in the middle of this storm. And because the other side of that is we're going to pray our way through the valley, but we're going to worship our way out of the valley. Look at what 2 Chronicles 23 says, alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Note this, Jehoshaphat was alarmed, alarmed. Some versions say feared, but I like the word choice here. Why? Because in a situation like we're in, he's in, it was only normal to be alarmed. You should never feel like you have to apologize if you feel all of a sudden a sense of danger for your family. I'll never forget, Christine and I had gotten off in a port and I've traveled extensively around the world. And I mean, I've gone in some, I've walked the streets of the most violent city on the planet at 3 a.m. in the morning and felt safe. We got off a, a cruise ship one time in this port. And all of a sudden, this overwhelming sense of alarm came over me. And, and I said, we're getting back on the boat. And she looked at me and she said, I'm buying something from over there. And I said, you're getting back on the boat. And she said, but I'm here to shop. And I said, we can buy you whatever you want, wherever you want to buy something from. But something is telling me we're in danger right now. You know what? I had to stand my ground in that moment. I couldn't make her go with me. I was hoping if I started walking, she'd follow. You know what I'm talking about? But at the same time, I was like, I sensed alarm. There are going to be moments in your life that you need to protect you and you need to protect your family. But you listen to me very carefully. You can't let the feeling of alarm become a fear that dictates your decisions. The feeling of alarm cannot cause you to start operating from a critical, negative narrative of fear. Why? Because when you're operating from fear, you're not operating under the power of God's love. 1 John 4, 18. Let me just tell you. You go, I don't know if I can still be a blessing for my business the way that I've been because of what we've been through. You keep being a blessing and watch and see if God doesn't bring your business out on top of this above others. Why? Because I'm not operating from fear. I'm going to be who God called me to be no matter what. I'm going to keep going. Amen. 1 John 4, 18 says this. Perfect love cast out all fear. I pray that somehow this week you get a revelation of God's love. Because when we understand God's love, then everything about us begins to change and we become fearless. Why? Because when you fear God, 
you don't have to fear anything else. Oh, God's good. He's faithful. How did Jehoshaphat respond in this moment? He resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Can I tell you what we need to do? We need to start praying like it depends on God. We need to pray like it depends on God. Prayer should not be your last resort. Prayer should become our first response. I think this is the reaction of the king. It's there to tell us in the face of our current situation how we should respond. You know what I've learned though in my life? It's a lot easier to act like a Christian than to react like a Christian. I'm just waiting for the, I, I like those horns that went off, you know, last week when I was preaching. <laughs> I have a horn ready over here. Amen. Praise God. What I love about this is this. This is an hour that our prayer life should be revisited, restored, and strengthened again. Can I get an amen for that? Quickly, back to the word for alarmed. It means anxious awareness of danger, but it also means an, a device used to wake us up. I think God is shaking us. I think God is waking us up. If you feel anxious about a situation, pray about it. Pray until the peace of God shows up. Here's what I'm praying. I'm praying God would take over our prayer lives to an entirely different level as we're in this season of crisis. Now what does Jehoshaphat do next? Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Listen to me. He doesn't stand up and go, God, you see where we are. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to make our payments. I don't know. No, 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 no. Instead, he stands up and he says, watch this now. He says, you're God. Oh, my goodness. Everything is under your control. Not only, my goodness, what do we have that he doesn't have? I feel this about to leap up inside of me today. Not only can we stand up and join him, declare that you are God. You are the one who rule over all of this. But I can say not only are you God, but you are my Abba Father. And my every need is under your care. And the one who's brought me this far is the one who's going to bring me through. Why? Because when I begin to declare who he is, it reminds, my, it reminds me of who God is. You need to remind yourself today. Of who God is. You got to stop talking to God about your problems. And you need to start talking to your problems about your God. Let me just tell you this. God still reigns. He still has power. He still has might. No one can stand against our God. If our God is for us, who can be against us? He's the way maker. The miracle worker, the promise keeper, 
We've got to remember who our God is. He is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, alpha and omega, the agent of days, the rock of ages, a strong tower and a hiding place, and you can shelter under his wings. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? Prayer is reminding us of who God is. But let me also give you two powerful verses that will help you realize why you need to walk in the power of declaring who he is. Watch this. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 12. This verse has become the motto of my life this week. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I think if you memorize that, that'd be good for you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on Jesus. How are you going to deal with this? I don't know, but I'm looking to Jesus. How are you going to survive this? I don't know, but I'm going to keep looking to Jesus. What if they come and take away your house? What if they take away your cars? Well, I don't know what's going to happen then, but I do know Jesus has me right in the center of his hands, and I'm going to trust in Jesus. Why? The Second Chronicles 20:15 also tells me this is what the Lord says to you. You quoted this verse. Now you know where it's from. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this. This vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. We can't get rid of a virus, but we can walk in faith, and God can use us in this hour. Amen. Why don't you give that kind of God a praise? Amen. Let me close with these verses from 2 Chronicles 20 and 21. The next thing Jehoshaphat did was this. He appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, watch this, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. Hallelujah. Listen to me. If you're in the valley of grief, if you're in the valley of pain, If you're in the valley of suffering, the way out of that valley is worship. Let me say that again. I don't know where you all are, but I do know if you're in the struggling and the the, the grip of, of grief, the vice of pain, the way you're coming out of that valley is worship. Because the hardest praise is the highest praise. Let's say that again. The hardest praise is the highest praise. Second Chronicles 20 and 26 reads like this. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley, notice this, of Berakah. The valley of Berakah where they praised the Lord. That is why it is called the Valley of Berakah to this day. I wish that you knew where I was going already. You'd already be shouting. We may be walking through a dark valley. Jehoshaphat was marching toward every earthly means, toward his demise, toward his doom. But he called on the Lord and he was praising every step of the way. 
Pastor Dodden, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to have church or not have church? I don't know, but I'm just going to look to Jesus. Pastor Dodden, what are you going to handle about that? I don't know. We're going to look to Jesus. My wife says, honey, what are we going to do about this? I don't know, but we're going to look to Jesus. Because I've already talked to him about it. And I'm going to keep praising him through it. And watch this. And when they got to the valley of Bettercock, God had delivered, God had supernatural defeated the enemy, and God gave them blessing, so much blessing, that they did not know how to receive it. So they named the valley that was the dark valley of defeat, and they turned it into the valley. You know what Bettercock means in in it's Hebrew for Baruch, Barakah, blessing. He, he said, I'll take the darkest place of your life and I can make it a spring of blessing. There's another passage of scripture that says, he said, God, are you going to let me die right here? Because he he's thirsting to death at Samson. And all of a sudden water springs out and he called it Inhagori, which means the spring for which the, 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 the caller cried out. In other words, that God gave a resource in the middle of the dark valley that said you can be refreshed here. Can I tell you, Pastor Don, that God just doesn't work that way. Really? Because I have seen it my whole life. You're supposed to be gone and done with. You're supposed to have gone under and you were supposed to have failed. You're supposed to be bound, addicted, and somewhere in jail. You're not supposed to be in God's house today. You're supposed to be sick and dying. You are not supposed to be walking in the anointing and the call of God upon your life. You are not supposed to be free. You are not supposed to be walking under the favor of God. But God took a dark valley and he turned it into a better car. He turned it into a blessing and said, look, I will bless you even when the world doesn't understand it. Amen. God's going to turn this hour. The face of the hour, watch this, will reflect the face of his power. And your life will be changed forever. Those of you that are with me here, would you stand with me today? I have broken every rule that I've been telling pastors. Keep your message this long. Do it like this. I'm not sorry. Because God's speaking to us today. It's a little hard for me because I, I know that I've got people here, people there, people listening, people all around. Can I tell you the truth of this? This message is for you. And you and those listening and those watching on television and those watching online right now. This is, this is for all of us. May God use where we are. May we use our pulpits for good. May we guard ourselves against a virus that wants to destroy us by learning to pray and praise instead of falling into pits of pity. And we too shall say, there's no reason I should be still standing. But thank you for the Berakah, the valley of blessing in my life. Lord, You've been good. You've been faithful. 
You have been just and you are strong and you are true. And while you bow your heads here, and maybe if, if you're in an environment where you can bow your heads, that are, those who are participating elsewhere, I want you to just listen to me for just very intimately for a moment. Remember that early statement. You are going to have to pray your way through the valley and praise your way out of the valley. Mark the words of this pastor. If you will grow in this hour for Jesus, He will show up in power for you. And what the enemy has been trying to tell you, I don't care what you've been diagnosed with, but if you hear me, I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The enemy will try to tell you he has your number, but he doesn't understand who numbers your days. And the power of the Holy Spirit is going to overwhelm you now. Healing's coming to your life. Victory's coming to your life. Deliverance is coming to your house. You're coming through. God, I pray for every business that's been affected by this situation. Lord, turn your face toward them. For everyone that turns their face toward you, turn your face toward them. And Lord, let this be a berakah for them. Let them be blessed. For every family that's been challenged during this time financially, Lord, I thank you that, God, two things are going to happen. One, they're going to they're get in touch with you. And two, you're going to put the right people around them to show them the love and the support of Jesus Christ. It's going to rise up within them. For great is our God and mighty is our King. In Jesus' name, amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.